0: This episode is brought to you by Honeysuckle White. If you're looking for ways to make mealtime healthier in the new year, make your favorite recipes with turkey from Honeysuckle White. Take the pressure off. Keep it simple and tasty without sacrificing flavor for nutrition. Whether you want a delicious sandwich or post-workout protein, Honeysuckle White turkey can do it all. Visit HoneysuckleWhite.com for recipe inspiration and to find retailers near you. Honeysuckle White. Eat what you love. The NFL playoffs have arrived, and we have you covered each day on OutKick's Hot Mic with Hudson Withrow. Some of the best football guests break down the biggest matchups from Armando Salguero and Donovan McNabb to Ryan Leaf and Bobby Carpenter plus the top headlines and reaction to each playoff weekend. So Chad, which quarterback ascends sent to that next level? Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, Tua is on this list. Gotta be Lamar Jackson, right? Yeah, it's I think, his time right I now. think so. Yeah, it's it's his time to shine. He's done it in the regular season. He's won MVP. He's going to win it again. It is time for him to win in the playoffs. Playoffs are also a time to shine for Patrick Mahomes. Can he and the Chiefs offense figure it out in order to repeat this playoff season? There's plenty of craziness on a week-to-week basis, so Pull up the bar with us each weekday, wherever you listen to your podcasts. NFL and more covering your favorite teams. OutKicks Hot Mike with Hutton and Whitbrook. Brooks Running has a new shoe for you runners out there. Did you hear that? Better turn up your volume. In fact, turn it up to the max. Introducing the all-new Ghost Max. It's got all kinds of things to make your knees and ankles feel protected. Like Max Cushion, Max Soft Landings with DNA Loft V2 Foam, and max smooth rides with their glide roll rocker feel better on your run with ghost max learn more at BrooksRunning.com. hello there and welcome back to happy chemicals i'm your host christian rivera it's been a little while since i've done something on video so i'm going to be a little uncomfortable but (laughs) um and it's actually pretty heavy topic to pick to to start to do this uh on video again but i feel like i'm Ready, or at least there's an impulse to do it, and I'll see what happens. Uh, like, what I'm thinking about right now is getting back to some of the original intention of this podcast, which is about conveying some of my internal world and helping people who are sort of self seeking for psychological growth. And, you know, through my story, and essentially, um, it's like a personal journal, I'm storytelling. I'm sharing my life. I'm sharing things that I'm figuring out, and perhaps it helps you. But I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a professional in the psychological realm at all. Just a person who is an enthusiast who looks at stuff, who researches things based on things I'm trying to figure out about myself, right? So there's your disclaimer. And then, secondly, to tack on to that disclaimer, if you're someone who's going to come in here and be like, "Oh, this is pop psychology, and it's not worth listening to," it's like, "Yeah, that's uh, that's all I know." <laughs> So, I'm just sharing what I know. This is not empirical information. This is not something that is um, something you should take to the bank, right? So, use your own discernment. I'm trusting you to do that. And I'm going to share what's happening with me. So, this is also a not safe for kids or work episode. This is going to be talking... I'm going to be talking about sexual fantasies, not... Describing them, but talking about the psychological phenomenon of sexual fantasies and control and power and how that relates to my story. So, you know, funny thing right now is that I'm in a space where I have a lot of work to do. I'm very overwhelmed. The walls are closing in, but for some reason, I'm still taking time to do this, right? And there's a part of me that's trying to claim control over whatever I can, even though my schedule is closing in. I'm a rebel in the four tendencies. Perceiver, INTP. I've talked about all these different psychological things. Uh, I've explored personality and all these different arenas, right? And in a way, I'm trying to strip away a lot of that to understand the core of some other things that are going on. Something I've personally dealt with and I've talked about on this podcast or I've talked about on my sub stack, let's go see note.substack.com. I've talked about, uh, sex addiction and sexual fantasies and uh, the pleasure hit of that. And then also a relationship to that, that is, is like a dopamine dysregulation. I'm a creative subtype in the Myers-Briggs system of what Dario Nardi talks about as the subtypes. There is a uh, Dr. Helen Fisher talks about these four chemically driven types. And uh, I tend to fit into the dopamine driven type and When I'm on my phone all the time on screens, especially even when I'm working, I'm on screens. There's first of all light hitting your eyes all the time, hitting my eyes all the time, and it creates some mental dizziness. But then also scrolling and looking for things, looking for something that's going to be funny or satisfying or whatever. There's this there there's this uh, risk reward ratio that the brain is is having dysregulations around. And so if I'm searching on my phone and I'm not finding what I'm looking for and usually when it comes to being a human it's like food or entertainment or you know whatever that if i'm not finding those things then it's you know it it starts to hurt it starts to feel like uh you know dopamine addictions or dysregulations or opiate dysregulations are a continued search for a hit of something that gave you a hit and then it's no longer giving you a hit right so something that i've been doing is every once in a while i will take social media off my phone. I'll start to create a distance relationship from my phone. And then I get back into it because then the hit works again. And after a while doing it, just the hit doesn't work anymore. So you're doing the same thing. Your brain basically sends the signal of dopamine saying, whatever you just did, do it again. Right. And so you keep doing that. But because in our world, we can do that at such a fast iteration, it can create an addiction to trying to seek something that is no longer satisfying us because it's happening too fast. And now I don't know if that's like a survival mechanism to say like, no, this is a cheap hit. This is not actually a real thing. Or if that is a subject of our times and all of that, any kind of drug addiction is also the same thing where you're getting a hit from something and you're doing the same thing over and over again. I think there's, I think there is something in our psychology and our body and our experience that is driving the need for variety in, in um, seeking, probably seeking nutrients or seeking partners or seeking uh, experiences. You know, there's, there's something that drives us to seek variety. And I think that's true of the universe that, you know, variety is what creates life eventually. Right. It's the variety of of physical geological compounds that come together and, you know, mixed with heat and time and, and uh, liquids and stuff, it eventually be creates biological life. And I think there is an impulse within us that is allowing us to, or, or, or driving us to seek variety. So if we're getting the same dopamine hit from the same thing, from something like porn or something like, stream like looking through social media or watching the uh, the same youtube channel over and over and over again or something that there is something in us that seeks variety and i'm not just talking about perceivers which are naturally seeking variety in the myers-briggs system but that as humans there is a desire and need for some sort of variety at some point because that is good for our body it's good for evolution it's just kind of the natural trajectory of the universe to seek variety and and to expand So, uh, that was a bit of a tangent, but, (laughs) um, all of this coalesces in this idea that when there's these combination of factors that I'm personally experiencing, first of all, there's the phone thing that I just talked about, the dopamine dysregulation, and then there's the constriction of, of, of my life related to my personality. So I just took on a second client and that means double the money, but that also means double the work. So that's more time. And then I already have the demands of, of my kids, of my wife and of life. And I I have a studio space that requires attention. They're just more external demands. And I thought I was done with that over the fourth quarter because the fourth quarter is usually a very highly externally demanding time period, but it just feels like the walls are continuing to close in. So as the walls continue to close in, more of my impulses come to the forefront. And now, what's interesting is that there's a podcast I listened to recently. Uh, it's called This Jungian Life. I love the podcast. They get into Jungian concepts. They do dream analysis. They get into like archetypes and and the real gritty stuff from a very professional lens. They're not just playing, you know, dress up with archetypes. They're diving into what it means connected to our psychology and there's one episode in particular called the imp of the perverse and the imp of the perverse is first of all the word imp or impulse comes from that term imp uh and impulse is is just the instinctual desire we all have an impulsive relationship when we first become humans that's you know as a toddler and at some point in our human history we were all mostly impulsive because Like a, like a cell has impulse to drive towards another cell to combine, you know, it's that's their impulses, impulses to feed impulses to take impulses to keep, to be alive, to survive. Right. And so at points in our evolutionary psychology and our social development, we become more distanced from our impulses, it's, you know, we get into a religion or we get into, uh, family systems or we get into school or we get into workplaces or we get into more like big picture jobs that traverse the world or whatever that require us to behave in some sense or another. Now I'm a sexual one in the Enneagram. There's a relationship to goodness or behaving that is very much been a part of my psychology all of my life. And behaving is what I would think is the opposite of impulse in a sense. And now impulse comes up. Sometimes it's trying to teach us something. Sometimes it's trying to show us something and, uh, impulses are, are. So the, the, the imp of the perverse is a story by Edgar Allan Poe. And the story essentially involves the, the narrator eventually admitting that they murdered someone. And they initially said that they did it with no reason, just because they could. Because I mean, as an INTP, I kind of relate to the idea that, you know, if you could think of a way of getting away with it, which I'm pretty sure every INTP's probably thought of, <laughs> probably thought of like, hmm, how could I get away with that? Not to actually, not with the intent of doing it, but if I could get like, what would be the perfect murder? What would, what would cover up my logical tracks? Right. And so the narrator just basically gave that, that reasoning of like, I did it because I could, but then it was later revealed that the narrator actually received, uh, the lump sum of money left over by the person that they murdered. So there was a reason (laughs) and uh, it it was revealed later. Uh, and it was revealed later because, the narrator was visited by the imp of the perverse, which is more of a psychological construct or kind of an archetype kind of thing visited in a dream kind of situation. And the imp of the perverse coerced the narrator to, uh, to, to give themselves up to uh, submit themselves to the authorities. And so there is this idea that the episode goes into much more depth, but, This idea of both the impulse to give in to a desire, but then when you give in to the desire, another impulse to give yourself up, right? So there's like lessons in both psychological urges. One is the kind of the test of whether or not you're going to do it. And the other is the the test of whether or not you're going to hold on to the guilt or hold on to your reasoning or hold on to the shadow material that now has become the secret of what you've done. So either way, the imp of the perverse is not really going to let you get away with it, even if it's something that drove you to do it in the first place, because as a conscious human being, you're still in charge. So you're still responsible regardless. This imp didn't make you do anything. It's like, it's it's about choice. And the episode goes into much more deep detail about like the call of the void and, other areas where we have psychological choice. And so this all leads into this uh, sexual fantasy idea, because as when I was basically going through puberty, you know, I I had a lot of stuff going on in my house at home, a very overbearing father. Uh, My parents were fighting all the time, literal kicking, screaming, throwing things, that kind of stuff. And I, I, had to take on a protector role with my my siblings and my mom and sometimes my dad if my mom was being the attacker kind of depends on the situation right so i tended to as the walls closed in you know with external demands or external pressures or external stressors i turned to sexual fantasies and masturbation typically and those sexual fantasies were after doing research i realized that some there's for men in particular, there's, there's essentially two areas. It's either control over women or being controlled by women, um, in sexual fantasies and mine was control over women. And it was because of generally having control of uh, a situation, having control over life, having control over whatever, some of it's a relationship to masculine and feminine that, uh, an overbearing father makes a young man sort of recede into more of the, the feminine if you're not able to, you know, traverse the, the, the masculine figure, the father figure. Now, eventually there's a psychological concept of killing your parents. That's not literally killing them, but it's about, uh, letting go of the dependency of your relationship to your parents, which I've worked, been working through and, and feel pretty confident that that's that's no longer a problem in its literal sense. Like all of what I'm talking about was in the past and, but it's manifesting itself again as something that's been an issue for me in terms of seeking control, having more fantasies, having more, uh, dissociations, having more retreats to places that will lend that will lead to physical pleasure because I'm lacking control in my literal life. Right. So uh, I'm speaking of this as like, I'm a 37 year old man. I'm sure there are a lot of young men, young men who are younger than me that watch this or someone around my age who perhaps has experienced something like this. And the challenge that it's, it's, the challenge is that sometimes that can bring out shame, which only pushes things down further. That doesn't help. Right. So most ways out are through. So it's it's sort of welcoming and analyzing what's going on, what's a theme here, what's happening. And there are plenty of websites where you can do Google searches and try to find some answers about what Carl Jung has said or what Freud or whoever has said about I mean Freud has a lot of weird things about sex, but (laughs) um but what various people have said about uh, you know sexual impulses and urges and uh, things like that. and like I, fantasies are normal. It's normal, like that's the thing. It's like it's normal to have fantasies about you know, people are being attracted to somebody or something like that. It's the frequency and the why, right? The escapism. If it's used as an escape escapism or a dissociation, that's when it becomes a problem. And then I've realized that over t- my life that when when I would get into a situation where I am, uh let's just be forthright where I'm masturbating regularly. It actually, especially using mental fantasies, it actually affects my relationship to women in the real world. Because at some point, and this is just me being ran radic- radically honest, that it makes women from my perspective turn into a target in a way. Right? It 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 opens the idea of objectifying someone because in my, because if they exist in my mental fantasies, it's almost like they're not real in real life. They're not, it's easier to make them not a real person. So it sounds messed up, but it's, it's identifying that that had been the case for me and realizing that that, that's a real situation. Right. So that's not only, first of all, noticing that is an important incentive because then it keeps you from authentically relating with people or people of the opposite sex. I'm speaking from the male perspective, but I don't think this is very different from a feminine perspective. If you're having male fantasies or you're, you know, you're able to, uh, there's a different kind of objectification, right? And It's becoming much more tolerant to objectify men, uh, publicly, but you know, it's not like it's stopped (laughs) in the other direction. It's everybody's objectifying each other. And I think it's more of the symptoms of these quick hits, uh, quick hit cell phone sort of, uh, relationships, uh, you know, swiping, right. All of that stuff. But you know, the social commentary aside, I think it's just the, the psychological effects that it has on us to turn towards the opposite energy or the opposite sex as a means of solace, as a means of sexual comfort of pleasure, comfort, but not relating comfort or not holding or not being with. Right. And so sometimes when you're going through that, I mentioned that like um, killing your father or mother figure sort of feeling. uh, It's one thing to step into the role that you just killed off versus Finding a replacement for that role, you know. Sometimes it's like I want to find a mentor, or I want to find uh, a Jordan Peterson type, or a Stacey Abrams type, or someone, or a queen bee. You know, looking at Beyonce as everyone's mother or something, right? Like there is this outsourcing of the internal parenting that starts to happen, right? It's, it it goes from the external parenting to internal parenting. So, what I'm basically suggesting in this confusing roundabout talk (laughs) is that, um, I mean, I'm trying to organize my thoughts here. This is not an, orc. I did not pre-plan this. Um, That psychologically my, my father who was the overbearing type is dead. My dad now, my, my, my father now is a much different person than he was then. But in my mind, the psychology of that person who is running my life psychologically, he is dead. I've killed that person. And now someone in my psychology needs to step up. Right. And that's kind of what I'm wrestling with. So the, my world around me is getting overwhelming. It's getting overbearing. There's a lot of things I need to do. I'm on a track. I'm stuck. I'm busy, you know, but then I'm doing podcasts like this (laughs) where I'm very much utilizing my time in in uh, you know, more impulsive personal ways that finding pleasure in all of that is important. So this is joyful for me. I really like expressing myself and I get a release from this, but then it's also important to make sure that I do stay disciplined. Right. So like I get frustrated sometimes when there's like the masculine discipline of like, just be stoic and eat steak and blah, 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 blah. Not everyone need not everyone needs to do not every man needs to do masculine work. Sometimes you need to do more feminine work for me. I think I do need to be, do more physical masculine work. Um, but I also need the container, right? Another way to think of masculine and feminine is, is if you think of one of those, um, wind up, uh, why am I th- not thinking of the name, but the, the wind up thing and the ballerina dances and stuff like that. The masculine is the container and the ballerina is the feminine, the dancing, right? So you can't freely dance as feminine without some sort of masculine container. Usually that's some sort of society or, or on a much smaller scale scale, that might be a building or a construct, something that's sturdy and stable and stoic. And then you can dance and move and play within it. And I think in a lot of ways, I'm needing to distance myself from the masculine energy that I grew up with, the overbearing masculine energy that I grew up with that is, that is making me feel inferior. And perhaps I haven't fully killed that energy as much as I thought I have. Um, that, that overbearing masculine energy that's making me feel small and therefore seeking power over somebody else. I don't do that physically in my actual life, but again, that's because there's shame associated. I just limit that to the fantasy world. Right. And so if I'm really, I'm I'm proposing to myself and perhaps I'll come back and report, uh, you know, finding ways to take control. Like right now I'm kind of taking control. Now there are going to be consequences to this because I have work to do and it pushes the clock back and I've still got stuff to do, but I'm taking the moment right now to take control and express something and do something that I want to do. And I think that's really what it is at its core. If I strip away narratives about childhood and narratives about um, the specific story of the specific people and the specific thing, if I look at the code of the situation, it was me feeling out of control, not being able to find or create my own sources of pleasure or fun or excitement or going in the direction I want to go in and resorting. To what I could get, which was physical pleasure and, and therefore mental pleasure. Right. So, um, one last thing I wanted to mention was, um, and this is more conspiracy territory. (laughs) This is not actually anything proven by any sort of psychological standards. But I, if you think about the Enneagram head, heart, and body types, I do think there is a masculine and feminine relationship to each of the three centers that I think that. If, you know, in terms of the gut and the body, there's very much a physical masculine feminine relationship, even if you're uh transgender and, and, and reckoning with the physical body situation versus how maybe you feel you are or what you think you are, that there is a gut instinctual physical relationship because our physical bodies are different masculine men and female male and female bodies are physically different chemically different and so there are relationships to that in terms of what our impulses are what our desires are and all of that Um, not suggesting what they are but uh, so much as something to explore within yourself how that manifests The heart is more like wants and desires, it's passion, it's impulse, it's, it's, it's feeling, it's connection, it's relating, it's relationships. And again, if we're short-circuiting our relationships by, you know, by, by basically me, for example, diluting my relationship to women as something that's a power over in my head, then I assume I have power over in life and that changes my relationship to wanting to authentically relate with women. Because if I'm proven wrong, it's going to mess me up psychologically. So it's, 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 uh, <laughs> it's knowing in my heart that, that what I'm doing impulsively in terms of my relationship to, uh, the mental fantasies and stuff and, and not taking control of my life is hurting my relationship to relate To the opposite sex, which is hurting my ability to have the mirror, to relate to my internal feminine, to relate to the, 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 the deeper challenges in my life that I can't see myself. And that's a major part of self-seeking is you can't necessarily just think your way into psychological growth. You need to relate to people. You need to physically move your body. You know, that's why I focus on the three centers. We put a lot of emphasis on the head, and there's very much mental masculine and feminine, too. I think the masculine tends to try to plan and think of the future, and the feminine tries to focus on the fat the the past and the emotional narratives and things like that. And those are the mental constructs of our our memory and our imagination that are tending to hold us back. so in in my case, I think I'm using mental dissociation to not really think about either. I mean, sometimes with mental fantasies, I think about past sexual relationships that i've had and you know like they, they call that the spank bank <laughs> as it were and um you know to me that that tells me a relationship to the inner feminine is there that it's not always about relationships to someone you know i'm aiming towards but some you know but something in the past right so there i think there is this relationship to masculine and feminine that if we can get to know you know, where we skew on either of these centers that we can know where we're imbalanced and try to figure out how to balance the other side. So I think there are elements of me that need masculine balance and feminine balance. I'm still figuring out how and the specifics and stuff, but I think it's really interesting to think about, um, how those, those mental sexual fantasies and my relationship to control of my situation, because it is, is needing to change, you know? So Uh, I would basically suggest, and this is what I'm suggesting to myself is that if you feel like you're constantly dissociating or impulsively dissociating into like sexual fantasy land, that there's probably short cutting a desire to shortcut your way to pleasure and control in a way that is, um, Indicative of your life circumstance, like you don't feel in control, whether that's because you don't feel physically in control. For me, some of it is physical. I need to work out. My ankle's still a problem. Uh, I can't do a lot of things that I used to want to do, and reckoning with some of those things. And the opposite may be true. You know, you might have sexual fantasies where you're being dominated, and if you're if that's the case, then it's probably your your psychology is probably asking you to step up more, right? So. Um, you know, and asking you to embrace more of the, the, uh, the, the masculine side. I don't know if I said that backwards, but, um, let me summarize then. So to be, if you're constantly in control, uh, in, in sexual fantasies, you're probably overwhelmed in your life and needing to flow more with what's happening as opposed to trying to overly overbearingly control it. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. And then the other side is that if you're, uh, being dominated in your fantasies, that you're more likely not, uh, stepping into your masculinity and needing to, uh, assert yourself a little bit more. So I probably said that backwards, the whole, video but <laughs> again this is not psychological advice uh it's, you know think about how that relates to your life and that's really what i should be saying honestly is like if you're having fantasies in one direction or the other think about how that juxtaposes to your life and maybe what's out of balance and try to balance that so i don't know i'm still thinking about it i'm still trying to put this all together it's like a bit of a puzzle um but that's why I talked about it for 30 minutes. So I'm going to wrap this up because I got 30 seconds left, but uh, I appreciate you for listening. Uh, maybe I'll do more videos of me talking on screen and sharing more of this stuff and what I'm trying to figure out and all of that. Happychemicals.org. If you're an INTP looking for some support, you can also join and subscribe to my Substack at let's go see note. Can leave some financial support there i do some writing sharing more of this stuff there so i have been christian rivera this is happy chemicals thanks for watching and listening i appreciate you and i'll see you next time bye